Hello, you are listening to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast by CS2. I'm your host, Xander Broffel, and joining me today, again, is Brian and Ghani, two marketing operations managers at CS2. We are excited to dive a little bit deeper into a previous topic that we had. Um, Previously, we've had these two guests on to talk about implementing your marketing automation platform migration. Um, And it's a big topic, and it's one that covers the gamut. So what we decided to do is we are going to break this out into a mini-series. This is step one of three steps that we are going to dive in a little bit deeper on over the course of the next few months. So very excited to have you two on to deep dive into preparation for a new marketing automation platform. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Uh, you know, excited to uh, continue talking about uh, just map migration. It's a, like you said, it's a huge topic. So lots to cover. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for uh, having us back, Xander. Yeah, well, I'm glad that I didn't scare you away. I'm glad that uh, you guys decided that it would be okay to come back. So thank you so much for that. Um, we are going to be talking about a bunch of different areas on preparation. And if this is the first time that you've heard this episode, Go back. Uh, I do believe that the topic is is uh, uh, aptly named a, a new hope uh, migrating your marketing automation platform. So it's a few weeks ago that we that we initially talked about it, where we cover kind of an overview o- over the process. Today, we are really trying to take a look at anything pre-implementation. What what might what might we be doing? Um, and there's a few different uh, specific topics that we're going to touch on. The first one is going to be. Uh, position to you, Ghani. Obviously, getting into a new marketing automation platform, it's a giant project. It requires prioritization. And what we had briefly touched on last time was many times you have a single marketing operations manager or maybe one or two people. And how do you go about making sure that you have the time to be able to prioritize a project like this while still managing some of the day-to-day? Yeah. Uh, so best case scenario is you somehow convince like your board or your boss to just stop all marketing and stop everything you're doing. Uh, and just kind of like case scenario. <laughs> best case if you're mobs, worst case if you're the business, but you know, that's like, you go, it, it's never going to happen that way. Um, and it, it, it is super tricky because then at this point, what you really need is to get ahead of a lot of the projects coming down the pipeline. Uh, you know, marketing is always trying to work with different frameworks to kind of uh, organize themselves, whether it's agile or, you know, what have you. Um, and the more you can get set up ahead of time uh, and know which system is going to own uh, which campaign at the time of launch, uh, the better you'll be once like launch comes. Um, for example, let's say you're moving from uh, one map tool where uh, it's just going to be doing, it's still going to be sending out the emails. You still need your IP warming. Um, so you'll be doing a lot of the massive email sense from there. Uh, but your new one, that's the one where you could trickle in some autoresponders, something for like registering, just so again, to get that IP warming uh, and get your, your email um, deliverability rate uh, at a healthy level. Uh, 
but then at some point, again, things are always going to be moving. You're going to have like, for example, for a webinar, you're going to have registrants coming in into one marketing automation platform, have to make sure that the other one or the new one, uh, should be able to read those, uh, leads. And there's a lot of coordination. Um, but again, the best advice I can give is to get ahead of it, get your, your marketing team together, really talk through what's coming down the pipeline. Um, and honestly, ask them for help where you can, uh, whether it's uh, an agency, um, a separate resource uh, within the company, just the more you can prepare, the better. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Brian, any additional thoughts there? No, I, th I think that's great. And I, you know, if you have the, those resources to work with an agency, you know, um, you're able to just move so much quicker, you know, like it, for example, your agency could be working on a certain set of programs or setting up, you know, more of the technical side while your team focuses on, let's say templates and setting up the programs you guys can work together, um, you know, to get things done much quicker. So also kind of plays into that timeline situation of how quickly you need to move, um, to really talk about, um, you know, who's going to work on what, especially if you don't have that agency resource, um, you know, thinking about that timeline and when, when you're going to go live with that new map um, can really determine, you know, internal work and who's going to do what and if you need additional resources as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that a lot of times, you know, if you are bringing on an automation platform and you've done it before, it's very easy for somebody to think, well, why can't we just do the whole thing ourselves, right? And that's true. You may have the expertise in-house um, and you may have the experience in-house, but you may still need assistance actually getting the work done. Uh, recently, Chrissy, uh, CEO here at CS2, she, she posted on LinkedIn something that was really useful. And it was talking about, she was basically talking about how you build the business case for bringing on that, uh, that additional resource, whether it's headcount, whether it's a temporary employee or an outside agency to help with anything. But it's really critical when you start thinking about a new uh, a new marketing automation tool. Um, so so making sure that you are building a business case and focusing on the value that the organization is going to get is key. Um, because you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation, we can't shut off marketing. We can't stop doing the day to day. So we have to have a plan to ensure that the folks that we are currently marketing to continue to get that exceptional customer experience while you are bringing on this new tool. Um, so I, I, I agree. I think that it's really important that you get your ducks in a row on solving that problem. Um, and that should be a discussion before you even start talking about going to a new platform, right? So assuming that you get some assistance, then what we talk about is kind of that divide and conquer. So Brian, you mentioned, you know, some people can can build out some of the programs while other folks build out the underlying framework. And I know that that's to me what's most most exciting about bringing on a new marketing automation platform. So how would you recommend kind of if you had a clean slate, you didn't have constraints in terms of an immediate timeline and you could build it right the first time. What are some of the things that you would start to think about putting into place? Definitely. Uh, I would say master order of operations is, I would say, one of the core things I would definitely implement. You know, um, from the get-go, the, the master order of ops includes like your lead scoring, 
your lead source, your life cycle, um, enrichment, sometimes normalization. Some people build their GDPR program into it as well. So I would say those are all your core programs of what your system's going to handle whenever it comes with comes to new leads. So, I mean, I would say master order of ops would be your main, main focus. And, um, you know, if I had all the time and I could build out exactly the way I want to, you know, I'd really focus on, um, making sure like when I like say lead source is coming in that it, everything's getting tagged correctly, that everything, you know, do you have the original stamp and the most reset? Um, you know, do you, for example, your life cycle, are they flowing through the life cycle correctly? Uh, I'm going through each stage properly. Do you have a plan for uh, disqualified in the recycle? Um, you know, for your lead scoring, are you, if you have the time and the ability, should you be looking at maybe a, a matrix model, um, you know, to build for the future as well? Um, and, you know, the big thing too is execute rule campaigns. Like if you, if in Marketo, if you have that time to build it out um, and you can control the order, um, that's what I would recommend doing rather than just building it everything off trigger campaigns that, you know, could really use bog down your system quite a bit. So, you know, executable, executable campaigns, you're able to really control the order of those programs. So for an example, if you're just letting your um, life cycle and your lead source run side by side with trigger campaigns, um, you're, you might fall into some race conditions where let's say that life cycle runs before that lead source or, or that lead scoring. And uh, so you want to try to avoid those big items like that, that can potentially lead to um, wrong data. Um, and like say NQLs could be wrong because, you know, they weren't properly um, scored correctly. So, you know, really focusing on those main core programs um, would be my first big focus for sure. Absolutely. Um, so let's say that you don't have all the time in the world. Uh, because that's probably the reality of like the majority of the folks in this thing, right? Yeah. So if you didn't have that, how would you how would you balance either like what could you get away with building as is versus what would you say is what you what would you prioritize to rebuild fresh if you were going into a new tool? Yeah, definitely. So actually recently kind of had this happen to me as well with um, a client that um, we started the implementation in June. They actually had to be live in July for, they were doing a huge announcement. There was an event involved, a newsletter, um, a new website. So there was just huge milestone things that were happening for them. And so we pretty much had one month um, for the agency to get them up and running and just with basic programs, just to make sure, you know, they're, they're able to do what they need to do in terms of these newsletter newsletters and demo requests and stuff. So when I was, you know, really on that time constraint, I really focused on getting that basic, let's say the basic newsletter, um, program built, you know, a basic GDPR program, your forms, your demo request campaigns, um, you know, that basic lead sourcing, um, your behavior scoring. So all these basic models pretty much trigger campaigns that are just listening for these things that come in and stamping to those um those fields that way that data is not missing and it's getting placed in the right um spot but you know you're kind of risking like i mentioned earlier those race conditions happening um so you know when you don't have that much time you know you're able to build these basic programs and um get that data in there and get it processed but i would always recommend going back and doing those um 
you know, the optimization later on as well. Once you have that time and, you know, look, for example, them, they got past their launch. We were able to go back and um, implement mass order of operations and really control which programs were running and, you know, provide a better experience. It sounds like to me that you, that you had basically, I don't know if you, if you anticipated this, but you basically had like, here's my minimum viable product. Yeah. Here's my phase two. I did maybe even call it phase one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think that that's a great approach to take of, hey, we can't get the Cadillac right away, but we can start to build toward the Cadillac, right? Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing I would recommend doing this, um, you're in your head, you're probably thinking, yes, I only have this short amount of time um, to get this launched and right, uh, launched out, but always document as you go, because even though these are the basic programs and you're, you're just doing this to get by document that as well because um you know if you ever come across records that you're like wondering why they didn't flow through the master order of ops you can go back and see you know why did these why why was it done why when it was done why did you do this for that you know that month until you had to redo everything so really just make sure you document everything really well um and that way you always have that as well so very helpful <laughs> down the road 100 percent Ghani, what about you? Any any experiences that way when you're trying to kind of deal within some of these constraints? Yeah, um, and kind of to go back to Brian's point with the order of operations is uh, this is actually your time to untangle a lot of the the tech debt that has accumulated in, in a company's life cycle. Um, you know, most a lot of the times, a lot of us like just mops professionals go into a new company and we inherit it. We inherit uh, someone else's systems, um, so there is that discovery of, of just we know how things should be running. Is that really how they're running currently? Uh, but now, well, at least with this new map, you can actually make sure that it is architected the way that you say um, it is. It should be behaving. Um, so that's really my thing. It's just like really taking a look at just what's coming in, what's coming out, making sure that that flow is exactly what is happening. Um, and just making sure that you kind of get rid of any, just any weird piece of technology that's just adding to the tech debt or is causing any um, back and forth between the systems uh, and really just piling on a lot of like CPU errors, stuff like the, the more you can clean up with those processes, the better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that that has come up recently in an experience is looking at the tech debt that you also have on your CRM side and just making sure that there may be stuff going on on the CRM side that's actually contributing to issues that you're experiencing in your marketing automation platform, which might be persuading you to move to a different tool. So look at the full system and look at look at, you know, audit through all of that before necessarily making the call on a timing. Um, I think about a new website. It's like you, as a business, you do have to make that decision. Is it smarter to use the existing platform and fix some of the underlying tech debt? Or do we really have to force it over into a new marketing automation platform? Because if you get to the new website and you can find a way to just easily update your forms and easily update that form code, like that's the, that's the real impetus uh, of doing that work. And maybe it's smarter to just take that step back look at the full set setup and then go into this uh, with a, with a, with a strategic mindset as opposed to a reactive one. Um, last, last time that we spoke, we talked a lot about our implementation team 
And I would just love to uh, dive in a little bit deeper of really working within your marketing team, uh, because oftentimes this is the team that's either going to be customers of the new marketing automation platform, or they may even be builders. Um, so Ghani, what what do you think? What are what are things that you should be thinking about ahead of time as you are working internally with your marketing team? Uh, the first thing I would kind of think about is essentially just what's going to be the new intake process. Uh, every map behaves differently. Um, so is something just easier uh, in, in the new map than it was before or is it more complicated? Um, and just kind of figuring out within the marketing team, like who is owning you know, building out programs, but building out campaigns um, is email uh, much easier to build out in one versus another. Uh, and just kind of, you know, at the same time, just seeing where the, the team is in terms of a technology experience. Like, are they really tech savvy or do they need a lot of handholding? And that kind of helps to at least uh, give you the information that you need to know, should I go into something where uh, Moff's just, is in charge of building out all these things and the marketing owner essentially just make sure that they have all the information ready for the mod scene or is it something that again should be decentralized and could be given to the owner uh, and they can kind of see the whole process uh, from start to finish uh, and they really do own the campaign at that point yeah Fantastic. What about you, Brian? Anything that you that you recommend kind of diving into with that marketing team? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I think one thing to know is probably most likely you guys are like splitting up the work. Let's say the director of marketing operations is going to focus on those core programs that I mentioned earlier. But let's say your senior manager is going to focus more on those program templates and the uh, success, you know, the program statuses and stuff like that. So, you know, I know I keep going back to documentation, but, you know, I, it, it, any role, whoever's taking on that marketing uh, item, document it. And it doesn't have to be a form of documentation where you're just typing it all out. You can do a video documentation as well, because, you know, you think of it like is once that director has set up all those core programs, most likely that senior manager is going to have to go in there and do monitoring or, um, you know, check on troubleshooting logs and stuff like that. So they would need to understand how those core programs work as well. So going back and, you know, recording yourself walking through the program or doing some kind of documentation can really make that transition from different marketing teams. So say you have a campaign operations team, walking them through that can really help that enablement as well. You know, even if it's documentation, like I mentioned, just a recording, walking through the program can really help your team members, you know, use that new map instance um, really quickly and can probably get down to troubleshooting much faster as well. So, you know, I, you know, I keep going back to the documentation, but I think that that's the biggest thing. It really helps your enablement and can really speed up um, training across the board. Fantastic. Yes. Um, understanding the, the what and the why behind something is really critical. And I think that that's great advice there. Um, I know some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, like there's a lot of change that goes into this process. So also making sure that you're bringing your, your marketing stakeholders along for the ride. Things that may change would be like scoring, list upload processes, uh, webinar requests, or like landing page requests. Maybe you had it going through your actual website before, and maybe now you want to bring in and say, utilize Marketo platform or uh, Marketo templates or HubSpot templates or anything like that. 
Um, so if you're making changes to the process early on, you should be bringing along your marketing team and not waiting until it's already being implemented. Make sure that they're a part of that. So if you know what type of information you're going to need ahead of time, you're documenting that process change along with the system change. Excellent. Um, so the last thing that we didn't really get to dive into very much, and, and it would be interesting to see kind of maybe your top two to three pieces of your existing automation platform that are key to audit and prepare for when moving to the next. So, Ghani, I'll start with you. Uh, what is one thing that you would say audit first as you are prepping for this project? Uh, speed to lead is huge. Um, like how say any, uh, just migrations, because uh, the one thing you want to avoid is moving to a new platform and then things are just worse, whether it's just, you know, it's, it's slower or maybe it wasn't implemented correctly. And now things aren't really running as they should, uh, making sure that the leads are going through to sales or to the sales team, uh, into your CRM and are still actionable. At least let's the business know like, hey, like we can still uh, function efficiently, and we're not being held back by anything. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, if the team's expecting certain fields, I know that we've kind of run into this in the past, where where maybe we didn't understand how a field was being updated or what it was being used for. Had we spent maybe a little bit more time documenting and and exploring, we would have included that in the first iteration of our program template instead of during QA. So really taking taking time to document like what needs to be done in order for the for the follow-up teams to execute is key. Brian, number two, what would you what would you prioritize next? Um, I, I think I would definitely probably focus, I would say more around scoring. Um, I if you're you have that previous program, you you most likely have that scoring program built. You know, was it working? Well, you know, were they scoring too high, scoring too low? Um, were you at a threshold? Um, is it the right time to also move into a matrix model as well? Um, so I, I think that's a really powerful tool and can, you know, of course, it it's, could be triggering your MQLs or hand raisers. So I think it's a, a big part of your um, program that you want to make sure it's um, you can use and let, let, it, let it bring you the MQL. So I, I think that's a big part of that. You want to make sure that it's, it's really working the way you should. And I would say audit, audit, really looking at the activity log, like let's say your previous map system, look at that activity log and seeing if you have race conditions, like I uh, kind of like Connie was mentioning as well, looking looking at the activity and what order it's happening. Um, like I mentioned, is your behavior scoring um, happening too soon? Is your demographic scoring happening uh, before the enrichment even runs? So looking at how these things are happening um, can really matter as well. But I, I would definitely say scoring because I, I think that's a really powerful, underutilized um, tool. Yeah, I would agree. Um, one big caveat is if you are doing a large scoring change as a part of your marketing automation platform adjustment, the risk to that is if you start getting fewer MQLs, mm -hmm. What is the business blaming? Is it blaming a new lead scoring model that we purposefully changed and expected fewer MQLs? Or are they going to blame a new marketing automation platform that you just rested your, your you know, reputation on? So make sure that if you are, in, in fact, doing changes to the scoring model, which I think is a great time to do it, that we understand 
it may be because of the change of the model as opposed to something being broken in the system. Um, yeah. So that might be something that you go, actually for a phase two, we're going we're gonna to change how scoring's done. But in anticipation of that, we're going to move to something that's more scalable, like an executable campaign or an ordered campaign. Um, something that I really like about having the new tool is if you can't go with the full um, rebuild, so to speak, and, and getting like a full master order of ops, maybe you can maybe you can chunk it up. You can do like order of ops for demographic scoring. So at least when you're ready to do the full thing, it's just putting it into a new um, program as opposed to rebuilding it from scratch again. Um, yeah, great, great idea, great call out. Understanding how scoring works and communicating that effectively, I think, is is really important. Um, Brian, anything else there? Yeah, I, I, you know, the biggest thing I would last mention is I, I would always document the before state and after state, even when it comes to like, say, Donnie was mentioning like race conditions as well. You know, mapping out the before state, even like if you're doing a like flow chart or anything like that, just mapping out what order things are currently happening. And that map system and then now what it's happening after you've implemented it in the new map system you know did you uh did you improve the speed to lead like Connie mentioned um in the order of operations is it is the right data flowing through um to really show that you know like xander mentioned if if something happens and they're starting to do the name blame and stuff you're able to really show hey this was the current state this is the after state and i have it documented this is the improvements we've made along the way yeah. yeah, yeah, and to to add on to that too is that um, you know migrating to a new map system is highly technical. If if I were to put a number to it, I'm sure maybe like eighty percent of the of the business has no idea what the map tool even does. Um, and you know, just to like add to Brian's point, like the more that you document, the easier it is to tell the business and show the business like, hey, like we're doing this for strategic purposes not just because we want a new shiny tool and our old one, you know, wasn't working how we want it, or, you know, you're not used to X, Y, Z math tool. Like these are strategic decisions. Um, and there's like a good way to just, um, almost manage up and let, you know, execs know that, Hey, like I am thinking strategically, like we are thinking about this the right way. We're, we're doing this to scale, not just to spend money because we just got like a new seed funding or whatever. Great, great call out, Ghani. Um, we, we have a topic that's very similar to this of, should I get the new tool? And uh, and I think that it's really critical that you are thinking about it from a, like, what's the actual value that we're going to bring and the improvement that we're going to bring? Because if you just launch a new marketing automation platform and you have no substantial change, then why did we go about doing the project, right? Just ended up costing a lot. So that's great. Um, I think that we are at Ghani. What's number three? What's something that you would try and focus your auditing on? Uh, the other thing would be just life cycle. Um, you know, whether it was managed before in the old system or if their CRM, uh, currently manages it through like a third party tool, making sure that, uh, people are actually progressing through the life cycle. Again, like MQLs, uh, you know, they could be the bread and butter for the marketing team. It could be just inbound robust you know, hand raisers, uh, you know, you want to make sure that sales uh, is actually able to move someone from one end to the other uh, of the life cycle and just make sure that they're flowing through correctly. Because uh, again, to your earlier point, it's just if numbers are down, that needs to be explained 
by something other than, hey, we're in a new system. Like yeah. the system, it's just there to make sure that things work as they should. It's not the MQL driver. Agree. Agree with that. Brian, number four. I would definitely say assets, especially when it comes to your email uh, templates, your landing page templates, um, like say your global emails, global alerts, your say your global interesting moments. Um, all that you know really gives you a chance to audit those. Like let's say your email template, you know, is it working in dark mode? Is it working in mobile view? Uh, how's your deliver deliverability in Gmail versus Outlook? Um, you know, so all these things like that it really gives you a chance to audit these and see you know, where you might need developmental work on those uh, templates as well and really get those to working to the best ability. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's important to know what you are currently doing so that way, you know, nothing would be worse than somebody fills out the form and you're like, oh, I forgot that we actually had this specific email, right? So doing that up front, you may find that there's development resources that you need. Um, you know, I think no matter what, you're going to need new um, templates. So keeping that in mind is really key. Um, what would you say toward forms? We talked a lot in the last episode about like the web team has a lot of work to do. So how do you how do you audit forms as a part of your assets? Um, I, you know, I would always say go with global forms. That makes life a lot easier. So always, I always like to say that from the point. But if you're um, an organization that used a lot of local forms, um, you know, most likely if you had to make a change globally to all your farms you, you know that's that's a lot of work so really you know best thing to do is go into your map and pull all your forms um and really figure out you know what what you're doing you know are you going to continue local forms or should you move towards global forms you know if, think about it like this if you are implementing a gdpr program and you're like oh we need to add country field to every single form in our system did you, you know, now do you have to go through every local form? Let's say you have 200 forms, you have to go one by one and add that country field, or do you have a global form strategy set up that you can just update the global form that maybe it's 20 of them uh, to make life a lot easier as well? Um, and then really looking at your current forms, you know, do you guys, do you guys have hidden fields on them? Um, is your UTM fields on them as well um and what do you have your opt-in check boxes stuff like this to see what your current forms are actually um requiring and what what fields you are looking for and if you want to do a current state and after state what you want to bring over to the new system do you want to keep all those fields what fields are you missing and what would you like to capture as well yeah yeah that's great and i think that you know just the most basic but so important thing is where are my forms on the website and do they need to still be active? Um, I think Ghani and I, when we've worked on some projects, it's like, oh my goodness, you have 200 active forms right now. And then you look and you're like, but 28 of them are only the ones that need to be there. Uh, let's do this as a cleanup. And and we've been able to deprecate a lot of tech debt on the website, um, which I think a lot of, pe a lot of folks may ne not necessarily keep in mind. So Definitely working with your web team to identify where are all of our forms located. Um, sometimes that's harder than we wish that it would be, um, but it's really key there. So. I was actually when it comes to your content as well, you have an a individual form for every piece of content. That could be a, that could be a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, you guys, we're coming up to the end of our time. Um, I'd love to give both of you just a quick like closing thought. So Ghani, 
Any closing thoughts for our audience today in the preparation phase of implementing a new tool? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much what I would, um, what I kind of want to let the audience know is, again, this is a, a massive project. It's, it's, this is critical, uh, but you still need to keep the lights on. You still got to keep the ship, the ship afloat. Uh, so over communicate, um, talk with as many team members as possible, as many departments as possible. Let them know that this is coming. Um, cause you don't want, you know, a highly critical, uh, department or not critical department, highly needed department, uh, to just see like, Hey, we didn't know this was getting implemented. We have, you know, a ton of work to do on our side. There's no way we're going to meet the deadline. So the more you over communicate, uh, the more you can get ahead of a lot of things, uh, and make sure that you do have a seamless transition, uh, from one map system to the other. Great call out. And one that we probably didn't mention enough on either episode. So thank you for closing out with that. Um, you know, kickoffs, regular syncs, ensuring that people understand the timelines. This is going to affect so many different teams and you want to make sure that everybody is all moving in the same direction for sure. Brian, what about you? So with all that being said, that is a lot to project manage, uh, especially on a marketing ops side. You, uh, there's just so many moving pieces, a lot of things that are happening. So, you know, the biggest thing I would definitely mention in terms of prep work is really thinking about, um, you know, how you're, how you're project managing this, every piece of these moving pieces. Um, so, you know, really thinking about even if it's building an Excel sheet and breaking out each part of your prep work, um, you know, how, where's the stage of life cycle right now in prep work? Did you do the documentation? What's the process? Has that been documented? Um, you know, what, where, where are we at? So really following that project management, if you, especially if you don't have a tool, you know, use Excel. Uh, so just really make sure you're documenting as you go and really, um, like I said, there's a lot of moving parts, so it's lots of project managed. So, you know, make it easier on yourself. Really, really track those things as you go. Yeah, great call out there. I mean, it also may be something that you need to ask for additional resources from your organization, right? Not every team is going to have a PMO, a project management office. But if you have a PMO, this should be one of their projects, right? <laughs> this is a not a marketing like side project. This is a organization wide initiative that needs that oversight so if you're a small org and you don't have a pmo maybe it's time to try and bring in just a project manager or an agency that can help to project manage um if you're an organization that has a pmo or some sort of team that can help you with the project management side definitely do that because like that itself can be a full-time job yeah right oh easily. <laughs> and if you're on your own Make sure that you're including that as a part of your timeline. You know, that's going to take hours out of your time and make sure that you are setting yourself up for success so you're not pulling 80-hour weeks just so that you can get this thing across the finish line. Fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for joining. I hope that this deep dive uh, was as helpful for our audience as I think we enjoyed talking about it. Um, definitely a big project to be taking on. And if you have the, the opportunity to do it, I'd say absolutely take it. Um, if you need additional resources and additional help, continue to listen to this podcast. We will have two additional episodes pre uh, prepared to go. We have yet to record those two, but we, that is going to be uh, uh, upcoming here very soon, where we will be diving in deeper into what do you have to do when you go into the build? 
And what do you have to go into when you start thinking about the enablement for the rest of the team? That's how we'll be breaking up the next two episodes. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave us a review. Those reviews help us get in front of more folks. So that way we can get this message out and ensure that more organizations are creating great marketing automation platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.